we're in using the book um, Soul Print, and in Patterson is is the author of this, and it's just such a marvelous study. And, and tonight, I'm going to be talking to you about the courage of the wild goats. You know, no, early in my years of ministry, when I just started out, one of my one of my main goals that that when I started pastoring and speaking is that I my main goal was not really to bring the people into the presence of the Lord. My my main goal is that I don't say anything stupid and that I would just do a decent job. It really was. And I, I, I can remember the very first time I ever preached was in a nursing home. And I'm looking down on my notes and preaching my heart out and I looked out and every not one Every blessed person in that room was sleeping. I must have been the greatest, you know, antidote you know, the sleeping pill that they've had because something happened. They were all out. But, but then, then I matured a little bit in, in that I got to the place that I really wanted the people to sense that there was an anointing. And, and, and I got to that place, and it felt good because I was able to, to, to leave, you know, people leave that sanctuary and says, wow, the anointing was on that pastor. And I thought I arrived. And then I matured a little more. And then I come to that place and said, you know, God, what I want is I want the people to see you. And when they see you, I want to get out of the way. Because I could, I could preach good or I could preach bad. But if they see you, their lives are miraculously changed. And, and here's what's interesting is getting out of the way is something that, well, actually is not just running away from it all. It's really getting to understand who we are in Christ. We're often fixated on the ideas of what, when, and where. And, and, and God's primary interest is who. Now, listen to this very carefully because it's going to come up on the screen. God won't get you where um, he wants you to go until you become who he wants you to be. Hmm. Can I say that again? God won't get you where he wants you to go until you become who he wants you to be. I love to be around self-motivating people, driven people. I love because, because they will make things happen around them. But, but the truth about that is, though, Sometimes when we're so caught up in making our opportunities that that doesn't come with the warranty of God because it was man-made. John 3, verse 30 out of the English Standard Version says, He must increase, but I must decrease. And now that doesn't mean that, that we don't have any value. What that means is that he has great wisdom above us. And, and here's, here's what I know about us humans, because our human nature is, is that we often want to know where we rank. You know, you know I, I know in my home it's God, my cat, then me, because, you know, it's just the way it is. Now, 
hear this is that in John 14, 8 tells us, don't sit at the seat of honor. What he was saying is, don't take a place where you really shouldn't be or don't need to be. Be as Christ. Wash, wash people's feet. Well, what it actually is, is that we're stepping in to the shadows. And we're waiting for God to do what he wants to do and not what I want to do. And then when I know what he wants to do, then I step in to be obedient to what he would have us to do. So I want to set the scene here for this study tonight. David is hiding in the the crages of the wild goats. I, I just love saying that. I'm going to go to the crages of the wild goats. What that is is that it's the caves where the goats will be hiding or 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 living, and he was he would go there and and he would wait and hide. Now wrap your mind around this. David is a fugitive because his father-in-law, King Saul, is trying to kill him. Now, you may think you have some in-law problems. Uh, this guy who walked his bride down the aisle is out to hunt him down like a wild animal and kill him. Now, in 1 Samuel, the 24th chapter, verses 3 and 4 says this. <laughs> he came to the sheep pen along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day that the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemies into your hands, for you will deal with it as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now, David's band of brothers, they were looking at this as a great opportunity. Now, <laughs> when I read this, a, a comic relief uh, comedian would have a ball with this thing because, you see, when Saul went into the cave to relieve himself, David was in the stall next to him. Mm -hmm. But Saul didn't know that. Now, when I think of that, he, he went into the, the cave to relieve himself, and I'm thinking, Are you, is that what you actually said in this word? Now, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, <laughs> I was ready to do that. But here's the thing. In 1 Samuel 24, verses 3 and 4, we're actually saying that when he went to the bathroom, David snuck up on him. Now, he had to have some time to think about what he was going to be doing. David had this opportunity that it wasn't a fleeting moment in which he was, was now, what should I do? Am I going to kill him and then I'm safe, I'll become the next king? Or, or what? So... He sneaks up on King Saul as he's going to the bathroom. You would think Saul would hear some kind of noise around you, you know, and, and that he didn't. He cut off a piece of his robe. Now, the men was hoping that this was a divine opportunity for David 
to kill Saul. But just, just because something looks like or feels like a God thing doesn't necessarily mean that it's a God thing. Do you hear me? Just because it's endorsed by your closest confidence doesn't mean that it is a God thing. And just because it seems like it's a golden opportunity doesn't mean that it is a God thing. And listen to this. An opportunity isn't an opportunity if you have to compromise your integrity. Now, times people, they, well, they get to the place that they're willing to compromise their integrity maybe by their getting a job and they don't tell all the truth on the resume. It catches up, doesn't it? When you compromise your integrity, what you're actually compromising is an opportunity in which God wants to create for you. And there's moments in everybody's life in which every person's integrity is tested. And what, what we have to be careful is, is that we don't go to shortcut. Or, or that we short circuit what God wants to be doing in the plans of our life. We don't want to go there because, you see, opportunities like this don't always come along, and God wants to seize that integrity of your life because it will pay off in the future. David was just only a few inches away from Saul and changing his whole life from being a fugitive, and he chose not to kill him. And you, in, in that you cannot judge the will of God by the uniqueness of a circumstance in our life and thinking, this is my greatest opportunity. See, the end never justifies the means. David knew that Saul was the anointed by God as the king. And he knew that he he was not going to touch him. I can remember decades ago, I was in a church where, where I was the, the, the youth pastor of that church. And, and it was a mega church I was in. And, and the pastor was just the most incredible, incredible preacher. But he had an ego as big as his car. And it was very difficult for Arlene and I. We were only there for a year because the things that had happened that I felt that he didn't show the integrity of a shepherd of which he wanted to, what he should have been doing. When, when I left that church, God says, you will leave that church and you will tell nobody why. And that pastor I told him, I sat down in his office and I told him why I was leaving because of him. But I would not speak to any individuals about it because he was anointed in that church to be that pastor. He may not have been perfect, but I wasn't going to touch him because God placed him there. 
Now, I want you to understand something, is that when we take matters in our own hands, what we do is our fingerprints is all over it. And when that happens, God leaves us unto ourselves. And I think that's one of the worst things that God could ever do in our lives is to leave us unto our own making. But I look back on the 47 years of pastoring in my life and those times when there is not a single fingerprint of my life, of my own hand on situations where I have seen God move miraculously into people's lives. And it was his fingerprints that was everywhere. You see, th there is a epic integrity that I want to talk to you about here, about David's life, and about each and every one of our lives. And 1 Samuel 24, verses 5 through 7 says this. David was um, conscience-stricken by for the, have, having cut off the corner of the rope. Do you hear that? He was moved that he shouldn't even done that. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, and lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of the Lord. Even just cutting off the corner. He wasn't going to kill him, just cutting off the corner of his robe to let him know he was there. With those words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. David, at this point, was a battle-hardened um, soldier. And, and any time you are in war for a particular period of time, you kind of get hard. That's why so many of our soldiers, when they come home, it's hard for them to adjust because they were in, well, we're in difficult times. David was in that point, yet he was very sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes David's integrity so absolutely um, amazing. He had that soften of his heart, that fine tune of his spirit even in the most difficult times. Listen to me, church, here in the sanctuary and online. This, this whole COVID thing could give us a COVID fatigue. We could get tired of everything, this whole political stuff. We could get political fatigue. We could get economical fatigue. We could get closed-in fatigue all that stuff, and what could happen is that it could harden us and we can make decisions that really are against, well, our integrity and the Word of God because, well, we could find an excuse. But you see, David knew that this was vitally important. In fact, this was an epic integrity. This was as big, if I may say, bigger than killing Goliath. Because killing Goliath took, took a, was an epic power that he had to have, is that courage in running towards that giant and throwing that stone that caught him right in the forehead. But not killing Saul took epic integrity. 
See, there was one thing, there's the power to act, but there's the willpower not to act. In, in the New Testament, it, there makes a distinction between two types of power. And, and listen to this, because this is so vitally important to where we live today in the world we live in. Two types. The dunamis power is the ability to do things beyond your normal ability. Then there is the exousia. It's the ability to not do things to have the ability to do, to not do it. Now, let me explain how that works. Is the best, best example of that was when Jesus was on the cross. In Matthew 26, verse 53 says this, Do you think I cannot call on my Father? And he would at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. In the Roman Empire, a legion of soldiers were 6,000 soldiers. He had at his disposal 72,000 angels. Now, I don't think there were 72,000 people on that hill of Golgotha. There could have been an absolute slaughter that could have happened if he would have just called upon him. But you see, that integrity in which he had was that willpower not to do it because he knew what he had to go through to bring that redemptive work into our lives. And, and we live in a culture today that celebrates power, don't we? But the thing that, that I find interesting is that that willpower in which we have is something of which God wants to use so that there's things that we will want to do, but we don't. I, I, I have things. I am not on Facebook a whole lot because I just I don't have time for it. But I do have times that that is brought to my attention. You need to check this out. And I want you to know at times that I check out what you're saying. And I and I do that because I want to know where the heart of my congregation is. And there are those times that I'll see something that is posted that I wish they would not have posted. Because it's not about whose candidate it should be president or not president. It is that our representation of who we are as followers of Christ and being Christ ambassadors, that lighthouse into a world that needs that unity. Politics is never going to bring unity to a nation. Jesus Christ is going to bring that unity to a nation. Because there's always those sides that people take. Right or wrong, there's always those sides. If you agree on the politics or the policies or not, people would take those stands. But we, as followers of Christ, we need that integrity. There's times I should not say something when I want to. 
because I want to hold the integrity of my Christian walk because I may be the only hope that that person I'm talking to to come to find Jesus. When I was a youth pastor, when dinosaurs were on the earth, I went to a conference, and, and the speaker said, so I don't even remember the speaker's name, but he said something that I never have forgotten. He said that when someone comes up to you and they chew you out from top to bottom, you step back and you say, thank you, Lord, for sending them to me because they need And if I would have said something to them after they chewed me out to defend myself or to prove how wrong they were, it was about me. Not about them coming to know Jesus Christ. Because that's a far higher priority in people's lives. We need to have an umbrella of God. In 1 Samuel 24, verses 12 and 11, 12, and 15 says this, I have not sinned against you, even though you have been um, hunting for me to kill me. May the, may the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will peri- um, punish you for what you are trying to do to me. He's talking to Saul. But I will never harm you. May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power. Remember, here is where David is speaking to Saul, who wants to kill him. And David had that opportunity to kill Saul, but he chose not to. And, and, and can I can I share something? Because you need to hear this. You here in this sanctuary and you online. Because this is so freeing in our walk and our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because my heart breaks when I see people hurting. I want to rescue them. When I when I went and, and was sitting in that room with those 10 people in that 12 step program. I didn't know one of them. But every one of them, within a couple minutes, stole my heart. I wanted to be a part of their life. I wanted to speak into their life. And when I see people hurting, when I see the body of Christ hurting, especially in these times where we are hit financially and they're struggling, it breaks my heart. But you see, God wants to be our advocate. God wants to watch over us. I, 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 I sent this out in an email last week, this, this part, because I thought it was so vitally important for us to hear. Because I hear people in these trying times struggling with every penny that they have. And they're saying, how can I give 10%? When that 10% could 
could be used to buy milk for my children. But here's, here's what I know, is that there is nowhere else in the Bible where God says, test me. And when, when, when I test him in that matter, when, when part of me says, I need this for my family, that really makes sense. Any responsible parent would realize, I can't give this up. But the Word of God says that that first fruits are His. And when I walk in that obedience, He becomes my advocate. He is the one now who is responsible of my finances, not me. If I would take that 10% and I would use it for a very noble, very good need in the family, no one's going to judge me. But I am not being obedient in the integrity of my walk with God. And when I allow Him to do it, He is responsible now. When I don't do that, I'm responsible. And I don't want to have that kind of responsibility. And it's in every area of our life. When I want to walk in that, that integrity of my relationship with God, there is things that we see that are so unjust in this world, and we want to do something about it. We want to voice our opinion about it. But God says what He wants us to do is that step back in that shadow, watch what I am doing, and then follow my lead and be obedient. Because when I am obedient in that authority of God in my life, he is my advocate. He will watch over me. And I could easily hear amens in people's minds when I'm saying that. You already know that. You have already experienced that, that faithfulness of God. Because I've never been able to outgive you. In 1 Samuel 24, verses 17, 18 through 20 says this. And he said to David, you are a better man than I am. For you have repaid my, me good for evil. May the Lord reward you well for the kindness that you have shown to me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be a king. And the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your you see, the Bible is full of stories about people who refuse to compromise their integrity in their walk with God, in their work life, home life. There were these three Hebrew boys who were kidnapped by the Babylonians, taken away from their families, were being brainwashed by the teachings of the Babylonian people, changed their names to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is their Babylonian names, not their Hebrew names. And in that these boys would continue to pray, and they would not 
bow down to that 90-foot idol that was placed before them. And they were told that if you don't bow down to them, we're going to throw you in a furnace in which we're going to make seven times harder than it is right now. Now, some people would say, well, God understands. And, and a lot of people could say, I could understand that. It's better to be a live Christian than a dead Christian, isn't it? I guess, maybe. But yet, those three Hebrew boys would not give in because of the integrity of their life. And because they didn't give in, because if they would have, they would have missed out on that experience of God being their advocate, being over them. Now, I got to admit, I would have been scared to death. I don't think they would have just said, go in that fire. And I says, okay, and I just walk right in. They're going to have to toss me in that thing. But when they went in there, they knew it was that they weren't being consumed. And they realized that the rope that tied them was burnt off, but they weren't. And there wasn't even the smell of smoke upon them. And there was one, like the Son of God, that was in there. There wasn't three, there was four. I want you to know that even in the most fiery times in our lives, God shows up. I hated not being able to be here. It was, and, and for me, you, many of you know me well enough, is that it is very difficult for me not to be energetic, because I am. It's my normal nature. I'm the guy who would be on the Titanic and saying, wow, no one has ever experienced this before. Because I look at the positive in everything, in everything. I wake up, drives Arlene crazy. She knows it. She's probably shaking her head right now. I wake up, my eyes are wide awake. I am fully functional, and I am full of energy. In these past couple of weeks, I was drained. I had no energy. It was driving me out of my mind. I was just constantly tired. I was hurting. It, those nerve cells or those, those shingles were down my back and on my shoulder and down my arm was throbbing constantly. And I'm thinking, I hate this thing. But yet, in the midst of that, I didn't say, God, why me? I started to say, God, what do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? And I'm telling you, church, he shows up. He reminds us that he's in control. He's our advocate. Did I enjoy that little journey? Absolutely not. But the truth of the matter, I would want to trade it for that revelation knowledge of his faithfulness. I don't think those three Hebrew boys would want to go through that again. Their hearts had to be pumping up in their throat when they were being tossed into that furnace. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> they could have looked at each other and said, do you, do you see what's happening here? Do you feel the heat of this? It's burnt us off, and, and, and I 
and there's no burn marks. And, and who's that? Who's that fourth person? <sighs> We're struggling in a world that we live in today. But God is faithful. And He's telling us that as we walk in the integrity of our relationship with Him, when we don't compromise our faith, He shows up again and again. It doesn't mean you won't go through the fire. It doesn't mean that you won't deal with some suffering and some difficult times. But what it does mean is that you're not going through it alone. And when you realize that it is the very presence of an almighty God, you're saying, wow, I'm sure glad I didn't short-circuit this and miss out on what he wanted to show me, what he wanted me to experience. So, my friend, let that integrity of your walk and your relationship in Christ be seen more than anything else. I pray that people won't know you as being a Republican or a Democrat or whatever you may be. I pray that they know you as being a follower of Jesus Christ. I pray that, that the only thing that is important to you that they see is them. <laughs> In, in, in that 12th step today, as they were sharing their stories with each other, I sat back there and I knew that, that why does that work so much? It is because people are listening. There is someone in that room listening to them. And when the world around us sees that we, as the body of Christ, are willing to listen to them, I don't want to change them. God will change them. I just want to be that person in that shadow and allowing God to use me when he chooses to use me, that his fingerprints is all over it, not mine. Then we'll see that when this whole chaos is all over with, and it will be, we'll look back on it and we'll say, well, God showed up. God showed up. Why? Because you walked in the integrity of your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. He loves you, my friend. He loves the body of Christ. And we, we have the answer. And it is Jesus. And I love what he taught me so long ago is that the only thing I need to do is to help them to see Jesus. Then I step out of the way. I don't have to fix them. I don't have to do any. I'll allow him to do that. But I'll let them see Jesus. Let them see Jesus.